On December the 2nd this year, it's National Grief Awareness Week. National Grief Awareness Week raises awareness of all aspects of grief and loss on a national scale. It offers access to a range of tailored bereavement support to all those grieving in the UK and to those working with the bereaved. Not only that, Grief Awareness Week helps the public to better understand how to support those grieving the loss of someone they loved and to open conversations and normalise grief. I'm Helen Bowden and this is the fifth episode in a series of podcasts about the work of Maggie's Cancer Centres. As it's Grief Awareness Week, I wanted to speak to Laura, who supports those grieving at the centre here in Swansea. This podcast takes the form of a counselling session. I lost my sister to cancer two years ago and at the same time went to Maggie's for bereavement support. In this podcast, we talk about grief and I share my story alongside the impact that support can have. So um, just to introduce myself, yeah, my name is Laura and I'm one of the cancer support specialists here at Maggie's. I'm a nurse by background and before joining Maggie's in 2015, um, I worked within the NHS for over 20 years, including several years within oncology. So one of my main responsibilities here at Maggie's is um, facilitating bereavement um, support groups. You know, they, what I witness is, you know, in doing that is absolutely incredible. You know, I witness unique bonds, um, incredible support that develops between the individuals that attend these groups. And it's, it's something really special. Just to tell you a little bit of, of my own story, I I've, have experienced a loss of both my mum and dad to cancer. And alongside my two sisters, I was able to care for and support them through their cancer, through their illness. My my mum passing away at home and died at home, and my my dad he died in in a hospice. Now the the rawness and the and the grief for me has lessened over the years. However, I, you know I still miss them on a daily basis. They are very much an ongoing part of my life, and we do, you know, I do that by continuing to share stories, reminisce about them, family and, and friends. I just have to say, my mum's homemade soup is legendary. <laughs> <laughs> and we all try to recreate that. But we have to accept that it's not quite as good and that's mm. okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and my dad, I can't not hear Beryllin songs and accordion music because he was an incredible accordion player without feeling a little bit teary. Mm. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. Can I just ask you doing this support group and the work that you do here at Maggie's, does that help with your grief or does it heighten it and bring so much back? People might see that as being quite difficult. It, it's interesting you say that because it's, it makes it very real for me. I think the, 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 or my own losses, I mean, they're very real and in a way I feel though that that. The work I do here has actually helped me mm. with my own grief and de- and processing my own grief and sort of living with my losses, really. Yeah. Because I now allow myself to feel, I now allow myself to experience what's maybe uncomfortable and go with that. Mm. And, and that allows me to reminisce. And in the reminiscing... You know, I I remember some wonderful stories. Yes, there's sadness there, but there's also joy, there's yeah. happiness, 
you know, there's some wonderful memories. And so, yeah, I think in doing what I do here, it's allowed me to be much more in touch with my own experience. And that's really helped me. Good. De death is a part of life. And yet it's a part of life we are reluctant um, to talk about, to talk openly and honestly about. Um, it's a subject matter that many of us feel uncomfortable with. So I'm, I'm doing this podcast because between the 2nd of December and the 8th of December is National Grief Awareness Week. And the aim of this is to normalise grief and get people talking. So today, Helen, I know that you've agreed to come in and talk to us about Sam, mm. your sister, you told me that she died from cancer two years ago and as I say you've come in to share your story mm. so thank you for doing that. I wonder if it's all right for you to tell us a little bit about Sam. So my sister uh, lived in New York okay. and lived in New York for most of her, she went out there when she was about 21. Um, she was, uh, she ended up being a film director and editor documentary film editor. She made her own film as well. She went out there originally to be a teacher and then that uh, took an interest in film. And Sam was, uh, I would say, incredibly unique in terms of she was an absolute force. She was passionate politically. She was passionate about humanitarian situations. She was a complete socialist who would do anything. Uh, for example, the day that she got diagnosed, or the day after she got diagnosed with cancer, mm. and she didn't know what type of cancer it was or where it was, she just knew she had cancerous cells. She, she went into the centre of New York and she marched against the uh, inauguration of Donald Trump. Wow. That's when she found out she had it. So she, uh, incredibly impassioned, incredibly honest person, who would tell you what you didn't really want to know. So many people that I spoke to at the time of her dying and who came to, who spoke to me afterwards said, she would tell me what I didn't want to hear, mm. but when I really thought about it, I knew she was right. Oh. And that's the sort of person she was. She traveled the world and everything she set her mind to do, she did. And in her two years, 18 months of being sick, she wrote a children's book, which I'm hoping that I can try and get published at some stage right. and do something with. Yeah. I think it's still a bit raw right now, but I, yeah. So that's in a nutshell wow. who she was. She didn't have any children. She had a dog. She had a partner up until uh, a year before she got diagnosed. Yeah. Um, so she spent a lot of time on her own, but she had very good friends who are now my friends as well. So we all cared for her together. Was she your younger sister? She was my younger sister, yeah, right. she was, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm not presuming that it's always easy to talk about Sam, but yet when, I, when I'm watching you, when I'm listening to you, you absolutely light up mm. um, when you're telling me her story. Mm. And she, she, sounds an, she, sounds an incred, she sounded an incredible young woman. Yeah, no, she was, absolutely. And, you know, in a way, um, I lived in her shadow because, right. you know, she... And I think this is what I talked about after she died, when mm. I came to Maggie's, yeah. because Maggie supported me through the first few months of my grief. Oh. And we talked a lot about, you know, living in Sam's shadow, the fact that she had a, a great relationship with my parents. My father was a vicar, and both my parents were very politically and religiously minded, so she would 
enter into great discussions with them. She did incredibly well at school and university. I maybe not so. So there was always things that I found that I, you know, that I, I, I looked to, to her, you know, um, and I did. And funnily enough, and probably we'll talk about this a bit later, but since she's died, I've done so much more, probably in her memory, that I would have done if she had been alive. So that's a great legacy. Which is a great oh, legacy. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. 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 I mean, I think you've, you've brought up something really important there, um, and that is sort of maybe being in the shadow of, of someone significant in the family, being in the shadow of a loved one, and where that leaves you afterwards. Mm. When you witness maybe your, your parents grieving, mm. when you witness family grieving for that loved one, and you've said to me, actually, I felt, I felt in her shadow. Mm. Um, where did that, what did that make you feel like, Helen, can I ask you that? It was really hard. I mean, you talk about parents supporting, and I know I lost my mum to cancer. She was 58 when she died of cancer. Right. My dad died mm. 10 years later. He had heart, a heart attack. So neither of my parents, and there was only me and Sam left. I think also when somebody dies, everybody comes out to talk about how amazing that person was. Yeah. And you see, you know them because you've grown up with them. And, yeah. you know, she was my part of my life for 49 years. Yeah. But you see them in a different light. And yeah. suddenly their amazingness, if yeah. that's a word, uh-huh. comes through, which makes you also feel perhaps slightly inadequate or... So in a way, I think there's, there's, there's two things that can happen. You can either feel that inadequacy yeah. and carry that through, mm-hmm. or you can make an effort at some stage to say, I'm going to do something too. I am going to try and make a mark a little bit. Or mm-hmm. even if it's just something small, like being a better friend to somebody, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, to, to, you know, because I think it makes you think about your own immortality. Yeah. And what are people going to say about you when you go? Yeah. when you see it on the other side. Yeah, I think it just spurs you to, to, to want to, mm. to have a bit of that yourself, mm. I guess. And you're telling me you're doing some great things now, Helen, so that sounds you know incredible and lovely to hear your story and what, mm. how you're moving forward in a way, which, so that's incredible. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think lockdown has helped. I think what it did for me was it enabled me to grieve properly mm. because when Sam mm-hmm. died, I'd just started a new job. Yeah. And so for two years in that job, I was never myself. Mm-hmm. I struggled massively and I have, stru- I have struggled massively with losing her. Mm-hmm. What lockdown has done is I've had therapy, but it also I've done things that I know she would love. So I've grown things, you know, I grew sunflowers. <laughs> I was terrible in the garden. She yeah. was always great at growing plants. I was terrible. So I've grown things. I took up kayaking. She would be laughing her socks off <laughs> at the fact that I'm getting yeah. into a kayak. Yeah. But I have found such great pleasure in doing things out of my comfort zone. I've learned how to edit video myself, yeah. create, being more creative and writing. I would love to think that she's there somewhere looking at me thinking you've taken on some of that mantle that I had, you know, that's, yeah. So I think in a way you're saying that these are things that have really helped you connect with Sam still and and to continue that wonderful bond with her, Mm. to continue that wonderful relationship because right away you're thinking you can just hear Sam in Mm. her response and her reaction. Mm. So finding ways to continue that connection, Mm. to continue that kind of lovely, lovely relationship that you Mm. had with Mm. her. I mean, actually really quite special to you. Yeah, it is. And it is now. Mm. But it hasn't been like that. And I think it's taken me 
it's taken me a long time to get yeah. to that space yeah. and I still struggle with how she died, when she died, that whole process yeah. is still very real to me and, yeah. and, I, and I'm sure it will continue to be, I don't think you ever get over anything like that. I think that's a very important um, message that you're, you're sharing there is that you still carry your grief for Sam, it's not about getting, you've just said you don't think you'll get over mm. losing Sam but you're learning to live with that loss, I, I suppose. Mm. And, and, I, and I wonder what you would say to those who, we met many people who say, I should be doing better by now. Mm. And, they're, and they're only maybe a few months, or a few weeks, yeah. a few months down the line. And actually they're saying, but by now, or other people are expecting them to feel better. What would you say to those people? It's taken me a long time. And I mm. think you have to accept mm. that time is part of the process. Yeah. And if you had asked me two years ago, at this time, November two years ago, if you'd said to me that I would be where I am now, I wouldn't have believed you. Okay. I wouldn't have believed that I would have got over yeah. that hump of acceptance, that I would have worked through some of the guilt that I felt at the time and after her death, that, that void, it's still there, but somebody described it to me as... Grief is a squiggle, yeah. lots and lots of lines, lots of squiggles, yeah. and you build your life around that. It's yeah. always there, yeah. but you learn to yeah. build around it and accept that it might take months, it might take years, yeah. however long it takes, it takes. Yeah. I think that was really interesting when you said that, you know, how messy it can be, mm. it's a squiggle, and I think we, I think that's something we believe to be true about grief is that it's a linear process it's kind of moving forward it's um it's you know going through different stages they accept the, the denial the shock the denial you know the the anger we think it's a linear process but i think you put it put it beautifully there by saying it's you know it's a, it's a squiggle mm. it's a kind of it's quite messy and you know and that's okay mm. and that's okay you were very honest there about that um it was really really quite hard at the start really i mean we know that you know grief can be one of the most emotionally painful things we mm. ever experience and yet we know that we need to kind of work with that we need to work with the pain and it's the pain the, the pain that helps us adjust and go through the grieving process feeling the pain looking inwards mm. and dealing with what we're experiencing so you've said that that's something that you had to face that mm. you addressed and for you now it's still there you haven't you don't stop missing someone you don't stop feeling sad but there's an adjustment mm. There's maybe days that you'll still feel sad Absolutely. that something will trigger it off yeah, and they'll yeah. take you straight back. And, yeah. uh, I can be driving in the car and have the music on and a song will come on. She was very into her music. She chose all her music for her memorial that we had. Put lots of video to her songs of her and one of those songs will come on and I'm right back. Yeah. I'm right back yeah. at that time when she died. You know, when she died, on the morning of her death, there was myself and a couple of her friends and so we, we knew it was it was at the end and um there was it was just so quiet we were sat there from six o'clock in the morning onwards and it was quiet and one of them said let's play one of her favorite songs yeah. and we blasted out and it was oh happy day and we blasted this song yeah. out and she made a noise and it was the first noise she'd made for quite a few days oh, yeah. and they always say that the hearing is the last to go yes. don't they yeah. 
and she made a noise and I thought she heard she could hear that oh, and if that was just something yes. you know so when that song comes on it takes me right back yes. to that moment that's maybe something we can pick up on there is that you know that those things that, that do trigger our, mm. our memories one of those things or some of those things are significant dates you know anniversaries and um, we're coming up to Christmas so birthdays you know, I wonder if that's something we can look at here because, mm. you know, like you say, there's, there are always going to be triggers yes. um, that will take you straight back and they will bring up those strong emotions. Although they could be bring up wonderful emotions as well, wonderful memories as well. But often we try, again, we worry about those significant dates, such mm. as anniversaries, and we try, we may try and avoid those dates mm. Mm. Um, or worry about them. How, would, how have you dealt with the anniversaries and Christmases? Over the- A friend of mine said a while ago that you shouldn't concentrate on the day they died you should concentrate on their birthdays or particular other days when you can have good memories and I did think about that for a while it's okay to be sad on the day they died Mm. and particularly if the death is traumatic or you witness something unprecedented why would you not remember that day I mean it's I, I remember I I Always mark my mum and my dad's birthdays, remember their birthdays. I always remember the time they died. And the same with Sam. With Sam's death, I went through something that nobody here, none of my friends, my family here, yeah. were they weren't there. Yeah. Her friends were there. And so for me, two years on, I'm thinking maybe for her anniversary, I should head back to New York to be with those people where we experienced that moment together. Yeah. And maybe that would be quite cathartic to be back in that environment again. So I think it's about finding things that you feel work for you and not feeling bad about yeah. it. Yeah. And, and I, I guess that's about, you know, we, we naturally want to block pain. We naturally want to um, avoid things that are really difficult, yes. that are really painful. And yet, I suppose by doing that, we are... We're blocking our, the grieving process mm. in a way. We're, and we're also, I think we mentioned before, we also block some of the happier memories too because mm. if we shut down those things that are painful, mm. we're also shutting down yeah. our other emotions as well. We, we talked about significant dates, Helen, and obviously Christmas is approaching. And I think really it might be important, might be useful to just spend a few minutes talking about that. Mm. I think we put such a lot of pressure on ourselves to have a perfect Christmas. And I think it's all right to acknowledge that if you've had a loss, that it's it will be different. It will be a, an emotional time. And that's okay. And what I would suggest, you know, I'd suggest is, you know, talking to your family, to your friends well beforehand, plan in advance what you want to do. You know, sometimes it's comforting to sort of continue with the usual traditions, but sometimes we need to make changes and that's okay as well. And maybe find a way to reminisce and talk about your loved one, bring them into the the, um, Christmas festivities, if that we can call them that. So I think it's okay to sort of plan in advance. And the other thing is, if you need to do it differently, do it differently. We have some people in the groups, that's if COVID allows, um, is to go away this year, is to do something differently. Holidays don't, you know, they don't have to be this perfect thing that we imagine. Mm. Um, We do sort of 
and we automatically compare Christmases to other, to previous ones. Mm. And this is going to be different. Mm. It will be different. The thing about access and support is that it gives you, it creates a, a space and a time for you to allow yourself to feel what you need to feel. Um, I think we often feel that we have to put on a mask, put on a brave face and look like we're, we're managing, look like we're dealing with things. And actually, if you can find someone, you know, it has to be the right person, obviously, a good friend, family member, or somewhere like Maggie's, where you can, we can go to and access the, the sort of support that um, that you need. Mm. And that will be different for everyone, yeah. in a way. I mean, the, the support might be just a, a really good friend mm. who, who sits with you, doesn't try to fix things, allows you to talk open and honestly, and without any judgment it could be that you find another way to express that maybe it's a, a way of, of kind of reconnecting with your loved ones of cooking or or writing in a journal or you, we're all very different but I'm, it's lovely to hear that you found Maggie's mm. that you felt that that really worked for you Helen mm. why do you think that worked for you why did you think that was something that was right for you uh, I think it I think it came at the right time at a time when it was all still very raw mm. and and I just couldn't deal with it I couldn't I could not deal with the fact she'd gone yeah I couldn't deal with that void in my life and being able to talk about her and then being able to, one thing that we do when people die, I think is we put people on a pedestal We do, and I think it's good to talk about them in a real way Uh and Uh look at their faults. Nobody's perfect. And even after death, nobody's perfect. Sarah, who I've spent time with, was able to talk through all the different issues that had, had happened I was able to talk to her about the time when Sam died. Yeah. It was something I wanted to talk about, but I struggled to talk about. Yeah. Because it was it was hard, it was really hard. I didn't want to put that on other people. Yeah. So being able to talk to somebody else, yeah. not that anybody in my circle, but somebody else who would then rationalise yeah. it for me was yeah. extremely helpful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and it's interesting you say that about putting people on a pedestal. In mm. fact, that's one of the things we cover in our on our courses. In our courses, is that when someone dies, you know, it's it's so painful, and we look back at only the really lovely things about them in a way. But to move forward in a real way with that relationship, to move forward with our memories, we have to honour that person as they as they were. Absolutely, really. yeah. Um, I, I thought we had a I had a something recently where I thought it was absolutely lovely. Somebody had actually written down for me on my own in one of the courses. I asked people to think about that very subject matter, and we were going to talk about it the following week. And somebody came in and they'd actually written me a list of of the things that irritated them about yeah. their loved one, or you mm. know, and it, it it felt so healthy. It felt re- and it was really good for the group because there was a real honesty and a real openness around that. And we had a little bit of fun and we had a, a few laughs about it. But actually, if somebody, if it was important enough for somebody to be sat there. And, and, you know, grieving for that person and getting support for that loss. And actually, as I say, it showed their love for them in a very real way because they were, like you say, honouring the person in in their entirety. And I thought that was really lovely. And I guess what else with your support groups that perhaps I didn't experience 
is that in a support group everybody supports each other. Yes. Yeah. And that continues after the support group yeah. ends. Very much so. As I say, it's a, a great honour to witness what takes place in these groups. Understandably, people are a little bit anxious about coming into a group. You know, initially it's a group of strangers and it's such a private and personal thing to share your story. But actually, like you say, it's really powerful. The connections start really early between people and yes, everybody gives each other the time and the space they need within the group. And this, they really look after each other. And then, as you say, it's not unusual. In fact, we see this time and time again that people will meet up afterwards and continue that. And support. that's so lovely. Yeah, yeah, it is. With Grief Awareness Month as yeah. it is, and yeah. I've been allowed to share some of my story about thank Sam. You. So thank you. Yeah. Thank and you. the hashtag is share your story, yes, isn't it? it? Is. Which is lovely. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What would you say as a final point about? anybody that's lost somebody or is in that position. Yeah. I think one of the main things I want to say is that please know that you're not alone. Yeah. But it's understandable to withdraw from the support we have around us. But it's the, the support is there. And whether that may be a family member, a friend or somewhere like Maggie's, reach out reach out and, and for those who are supporting someone who have had who's had a bereavement don't avoid them please say their name talk about them and know that it's okay just to sit with someone there is no magic fix there is no magic thing to say but just sit with someone give them the space and the time to talk and um, and i would say to everyone is to look after themselves do things that give them comfort, especially during these times. Do things that, you know, allow them to have some time out as well, because that's okay as well. I think grief can be so overwhelming. Talk about it, um, share your story, find the right way to get support, but also look after yourself, connect with nature. I think that's something really powerful is to get out there. I mean, we embody grief as well. It's a real physical thing too. And do things that um, allow you some time out. So, you know, have a drink, have a glass of wine with a friend or watch something, a box set on TV or, but do something that looks, you know, look after yourself. And I'd just like to thank you, Helen. I think, you know, coming in to share your story hopefully will help everyone listening today to sort of think about what their own needs are and that that it's okay to talk it's okay to share so if anyone's listening who needs help through the grieving process someone who has suffered a loss or is suffering Mm. what advice laura would you give to finish on today it's absolutely fine to pick up the phone. Pick up the phone and give us a ring or come come into Maggie's, come through our doors. We are very much here to support you. We will give you the space and the time um, to kind of just talk about how you're feeling. And, you know, it's a safe space. So know that we're here for you. We provide um, support to those people who are going through a cancer experience, who've had a cancer diagnosis, mm. and for family and friends who are supporting someone who's going through a cancer diagnosis. But we're also very much here to support someone who's had a bereavement through cancer. 
So please know that you can sort of, as I say, pick up the phone, call in, drop us an email, and we will, we can either we'll get back in touch or we'll see you in the centre. And know that this is what we do. Mm. We are very much here to support you. Thank you, Laura. You're very welcome. Thank you, Helen. My sincere thanks to Laura for helping me share my story about my sister and my grief. Maggie's is here for anyone with cancer and their family and friends, whatever kind, whatever stage they're at, and even if you're bereaved. All their support is free, no appointment or referral is needed. And there's also no time limit on their support, they're here for you as long as they're needed. Maggie's isn't part of the NHS, they're an independent charity, but their centres are beside major cancer hospitals across the UK, and they have excellent relationships with their partner hospitals. Every Maggie's is thoughtfully designed to be a calming and welcoming place to escape from the clinical environment of a hospital with no reception desks, no clocks, just comfy sofas and plenty of time. The centres have large open spaces for group activities and a kitchen table to chat to other people. Maggie's Swansea is situated in the grounds of Singleton Hospital. You can call or you can log on to maggies.org. And remember, make sure you share your story in Grief Awareness Week. Thank you for listening.